Welcome to Whole and Holy, the Bethel Seminary podcast. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the Dean of Bethel Seminary, and it's my pleasure today to introduce two guests to you. Uh, Nathan Miller is family ministry pastor at Friendship Church here in Minnesota, and he is married to Maria, and they have six kids. Aaron Brockmeyer is senior pastor at Faith Baptist Church in North Minneapolis. He's married to Noel, and they have three kids. And both Nathan and Aaron are involved in the leadership of the Made to Flourish Network, which is an organization that's focused on helping pastors understand the role of work in living out Christian discipleship. Nathan and Aaron, thanks so much for being here. Glad to be here. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having us. I'd like to start out by just asking, what role do pastors have to play in helping people understand the importance and the role of work in living out their Christian life? Well, let me jump in there. I would say I'm very passionate about that just from experience. So before I served as a pastor, I worked um, as an engineer. And in that work, I worked out at, in Denver at, uh, as a uh, defense, with a defense contractor. And my work um, as an engineer was affirmed because of my paycheck. What I gave to the church was affirmed. I knew pastors spoke about that. I felt like my paycheck contributed to the to the work of the kingdom that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my work was important in uh, after I left my work, my work volunteering at the, the church, teaching, serving different ways. My work uh, leading an evangelistic Bible study or praying before work, that was important. But the actual work as an engineer, I can't remember ever being affirmed in that work. Mm. And in fact, ironically, that's one of the re- reasons that God led me to pastoral ministry hmm. was I was looking for a deeper sense of affirmation and significance and being able to be affirmed in what I, uh, what I was called to do. Hmm. Um, in pastoral ministry, then I started to repeat that same thing. Hmm. So I would affirm people's contributions at church on Sunday morning, teaching, um, serving, giving, but I never once spoke into their everyday work. Their work as a janitor, their work as a carpenter, their work as an engineer. And I, it was until I got involved with the Made to Flourish organization that I realized just the depth of the gospel, where work is important, work's the background mm-hmm. in the scriptures. And what I was doing was pastorally was hurting people, causing that division. Mm-hmm. So for myself, where it caused me to, to seek and search after another career or vocation, it caused that division within people, that their, their Monday work, their work um, at home wasn't as important as their work at church and mm. causing that division. And when I began to uh, understand that, that's when I was able to speak into all of their life and talk about the depth of the gospel and that God created us to, to work, um, mm. not only on Sunday morning or at a volunteer organization or teaching a Bible study, but building the, t- uh, building the table, mm-hmm. um, leading an organization, sweeping the floors, all work done for God matters. Mm. And so I'm pretty passionate about that because I've seen that change in myself and with those uh, that I have the privilege of, of shepherding in my congre- congregation. Mm, that's great. Yeah, similarly, I would, I would chime in. I've, I've worked predominantly with young people in my pastoral capacity, so currently work as a family ministry pastor, kind of overseeing the birth to college ministries. But the bulk of my time has been particularly with high school students. And in working with high schoolers uh, in a church setting, there's a strange sort of uh, uh, tendency that church people have to isolate the time that we're together, um, talking about spiritual things without referencing what they did 
the the rest of the week before mm. they got there. Mm-hmm. And and so we enter into this kind of conversation of uh about about God and things of of the kingdom of God. And then we we leave and we go do things, but we don't ever really talk about the other things that we were doing this week. Mm. And that kind of bifurcation of of our secular life and our sacred life, um, I, I noticed over the years was was really unhealthy and was setting students up for a, a confusing way to kind of navigate life. Mm-hmm. Discipleship was something that happened maybe an hour or two a week in a specific building. Mm-hmm. And then the the rest of the week was kind of like left up to them to figure out how it actually tracks with what does it mean as my work to be a student, to mm-hmm. to live out my my Christian calling on the sports field, in the classroom, in band, in a, maybe a part-time job I have as a student. And so this conversation of of integrating our faith within our work settings and where we find ourselves most of the day has been a, a really rich uh, kind of new understanding and the, the implications of where we can go with that have been really exciting to explore. Hmm. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit, because for many of our listeners, this might be the first time they're sort of thinking about that relationship between work and Christian discipleship in in a more concrete kind of way. So why does work matter? What is your what is your response to that? Why? Why does work matter and how does it fit into uh, discipleship? What, in other words, why is that bifurcation a problem? Yeah, I guess I could jump in there. I think uh, for for many of us, uh, theologically, we we kind of skip some of those earliest chapters in Genesis and jump right into to the fall of the brokenness of of our sin condition and our need to find a remedy in Jesus, and we forget that the the story opens in Genesis with a um, with a, a creation that's good and and that that in that creation there's there's work that's taking place of cultivating a garden and. That God, in His ideal um, uh, setting things up from the beginning, uh, in- incorporated a sense of our participating with Him in this kind of mysterious. He's the capital C creator, but He invites us into like lowercase C creative work mm-hmm. um, with that uh, kind of cultural mandate in Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight that we're invited into this mysterious process of creating culture together with Him to to be kind of His image bearers in the world. Um, and we tend to, in most church settings, jump right into Genesis three. Everything's bad, and there's a fall, and work's cursed, and and that that maybe uh, misstep uh, has has caused us to realize that um, because of those uh, those original intentions, God does desire for us to work with our hands and work out all of the beautiful things He's created for us to enter into that creation. And and make a difference in the world to bring flourishing to the world mm-hmm. in our uniquely gifted ways, um, but in, in, but instead we we find ourselves bifurcated in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. You, earlier, I talked about how it was my work wasn't affirmed as an engineer. That was unhealthy. But in that unhealthiness, I think there's also like it's also easier that way. Mm. There, whether you can compartmentalize, well, this is my this is my Sunday morning faith, and then I really don't have to live it out. As much as as Monday, and I think it's a really challenge for pastors, for um, ministry leaders, for all of us as disciples to recognize the depth of the gospel and how that affects our life. I always think of the story of uh, of P- Peter and Jesus, where Peter was willing, Simon was willing to follow Jesus as an itinerant teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'll follow you. Uh, I'll bring some people to come and listen to you. But all of a sudden, when Peter, or when when Jesus talks to Peter about his work as a fisherman, mm-hmm. hey, hey, why don't you let me step into the boat and we're going to go out and go fishing? Peter's like, wait a second, 
I know what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that little bit of a pushback. And when he sees that Jesus is Lord over his vocation, mm-hmm. that's when he falls down and says, my, my, my Lord, my master. That's where he talks about how sinful he is, and he recognizes uh, who Jesus is in his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's when Jesus says he's given all authority over, uh, given all authority. Like, that is a really hard thing for us to begin to recognize. What does that mean to follow Jesus as I wait tables? Mm. What does it mean to follow Jesus as I invest this money? What, like, that's, that, that really causes us to grow in our depth of the understanding of the faith and the implications of the gospel. Well, I think it's, uh, it, it is reinforced by the fact that in, in the Old Testament, as, a, as an Old Testament scholar, you know, I think a lot of my work is in the area of the Torah. And, and the function of Torah, one of the functions of Torah is to highlight the fact that all of life matters to God. And that's, that's part of the comprehensiveness of, of the Torah. So you've got these, these rules and regulations about the most minuscule things in life, and then also the, the greatest things in life. But the point is that all of life matters to God. And I think that that bifurcation creeps in. And, and so we get used to thinking that what we do on you know, Sunday mornings matters to God, what we do on Wednesday nights matters to God, and then maybe the occasional retreat or our, our devotional times. But the rest of the time doesn't matter to God. That's an unbiblical idea. Uh, and, and it's contrary to what, what Scripture teaches about all of life mattering to, to God, which obviously includes, which obviously includes work. We have an um, a opportunity on a regular basis at my church. We call it Servery Stand, where we have people, it's based on the Colossians 3 reference, uh, that whatever you do, uh, work, work unto the Lord. And we have an opportunity. I meet with people at their workplaces. I go and say, you mind if I stop in and visit them? During COVID, I did some Zoom calls mm-hmm. in with them. And I ask them about their work. Like, what is God's design? What do you think God's design is for your work? How is it broken? Hmm. How do you um, serve God where you stand on Monday morning? How do you love your neighbor through your work? And then we take those after I meet with people um, and connect with them at their workplace. I invite them to share that with our church as a whole. So, hmm. And then on a Sunday morning, we'll have them stand up and I'll ask those the same questions. How can we even then ask them what are their challenges? What are their, uh, what are their joys of work? How can we pray for you? And it really helps people not only to recognize uh, one another, um, but also the importance of one another's work and how we can be praying for one another. We can be equipping. We can be encouraging one another. As opposed to when you come into the door, well, leave all your burdens behind. Mm. How many people are burdened by work? <laughs> you come into church, bring your burdens and see how God speaks into all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when you think about how, how much time we spend at work and, and how much it occupies just from that standpoint alone, to, to try to bring that into our thinking and under the lordship of Christ in some fashion is, is vital because we spend way more time at work than we do in worship on Sunday mornings. Um, and it, you it, can it, attest to, to that whenever a, a pastor is able to reference the, the lived experience of their congregants they resonate so much deeper. Um, and, and you saw that in Jesus' own example, right? His, his parables predominantly would, would circle around kind of vocational illustrations, uh, workplace of the, of the listener uh, illustrations that, 
uh, help people make sense of their kind of agricultural or you know animal husbandry, whatever it might have been. Uh, that resonated with people because this is what's predominantly on their mind as they're sitting there listening to the teaching of God's word is that meeting that they're dreading on Monday or that that challenging report they have to turn in by Wednesday, uh, whatever it might be. And the gospel has a lot to say about those concerns. What are the the biggest challenges that you found in terms of helping people understand this this idea that that work matters? I guess I, I could uh, jump in there. I do think coming from the faith stream, kind of of my uh, church background, being more maybe pietistic, um, uh, kind of me and God alone, doing doing business with God, there seems to be this hesitation to uh, to have uh, God and, and and the Scripture speak into certain areas of life um, that it's just it's kind of me and God in, in the corner mm-hmm. and. And so there's a hesitancy, I think, for people to really allow the, uh, the, the scriptures to, to get into every nook and cranny of their life related to how they spend the, the bulk of their time. And getting over some of that maybe pietistic, separatistic from, from the world, anti-culture sort of sentiments, and to say, God actually has, has a lot to say um, about Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday as well. Um, I've, I've personally been challenged in my hesitation to to kind of share what's actually going on and, and again mixed with both pietism but also maybe a norwegian a scandinavian kind of aloofness or like mm. social hesitation to really let people in on my life it's like we we kind of uh you know pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and and we don't want to overly share what's actually going on in our life and both of those things i think have tended to to not allow god's uh, uh insight to kind of pour into the areas that need it most mm. for me personally. I don't know if Aaron would yeah, have something. I, I was just going to say that I think there's a disconnect often between uh, shepherds and the sheep. Like we don't know if you're in leadership, I think there's a, you don't know exactly what the sheep uh, entail every day. Mm. You're not getting out there and connecting. And so when you read uh, commentaries, resources, references, oftentimes it's about the, what, what, what the shepherd knows. It's mm. about pastoral ministry, it's about missionaries, it's about vocational ministry, and it's not about um, the work of an engineer. It's not about how this applies to the carpenter. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think just that knowledge is also keeps people from it, mm-hmm. that knowing what other people's work looks like, knowing the challenges of what it means to, 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 to get into, uh, to be a plumber day in and day out, and the, the challenges that come with living out your faith in that that's harder work to step into that. Mm. Um, and, when you, and if you don't know that, um, and you don't know your, uh, your congregants or the, the one another, um, you can really become uh, disconnected mm. from that. And I'd love to, I'd love to add maybe a, a personal story to, to Aaron's point. I, I, I remember when I first had my first pastoral position and coming I was in seminary at the time, learning about Hebrew parallelism and the ins and outs of, of uh, the scripture, scripture narratives and thinking that this is what my students actually care about, the things that I've been spending hours learning in, in, in the classroom and wanting to wax eloquent about all these unique things I'm mm-hmm. seeing in the scripture. And it was really clear looking at the students like, what are you talking about? And what does that have to do with the fact that I'm really nervous because my girlfriend broke up with me and I've got this test tomorrow. And like, you're speaking a language that's just not, not helpful to me. Mm. 
And it, it was a very humbling moment for me to realize I, I've been doing a lot of good work of learning how to interpret the scripture and, and you know, feed the sheep, bring it to the people that need it most. But I hadn't been doing the extra work of, of thinking through the lived experience of the sheep, like mm. what's predominantly on their mind, what's burdening them, and entering in almost like that humbling, setting aside all the things that I think I need to relay and entering into the concerns, noting that there are things that I've studied that will be helpful, but do I, do I have good bedside manner, so to speak? Do, mm-hmm. I, do I care about the people receiving this and learning to adjust accordingly? And like learning a new language almost can be embarrassing for adults to, to, to be entered into spaces where they don't feel like they just assume not talk that language at all mm. than to kind of, you know, in fits and starts stumble their way through. But I found as I've attempted to understand the, the actual workplace, so to speak, quote unquote, I mean, they're students essentially with, with, uh, is their work, but what, what are the concerns that they have? Sure. The, the, the fruit and the, the impact is much greater than just leveraging all my, my academic insights. You know, there was a, an analogy that somebody used once that I recall, and they were saying that, you know, a lot of what we do in at seminary and the kind of work that you're talking about, that's, that's like being in a weight room. You know, you're, you're building yourself up, but that's not the game. You know, that's not, that's not what you're doing. If you're, if you're in a weight room getting ready to play football, and I'm not going to do much more with sports references because that's <laughs> about the extent of anything I can do. But, uh, you know, the, the point is not to, the, the weight room isn't the point. The point is being on the field and, and playing the game. And I think sometimes it's easy to sort of you know, forget that, and and we might get excited about what we're doing, but realizing that that is in service of something else, and and that is to to be able to communicate the truth of the gospel and the truth of who Jesus is to to people in a way that's meaningful and relevant for them, and and we don't want to forget what the that the tools are just that they're they're just tools they're not they're so not good. the end in themselves yeah. It's that, it's that challenge of that uh, church, Sunday morning is important, and Monday morning is important. Yeah. Uh, missionary work is important, and being a missionary at your work is important. That, that and, I think, is, is really a challenge, because sometimes we just focus on the, on the one, and we don't delve into the other, and holding that together. Well, I think it's, it's also a challenge... Um, in my experience, both as a, a seminary, working in a seminary and then as a pastor, is that nobody questions, for the most part, nobody questions our work and its contributions to the kingdom. I mean, it's, it, that's self-evident and it's supposed to be. I mean, I'm not saying it always is, but I'm saying it, in some people's minds, it's like, well, of course, you know, your work, you're the pastor. That's, that's relevant to, to kingdom advancement. But I remember talking to the um, the manager of building and grounds at the church. And, and he was a wonderful guy, a humble, humble guy. But he was like, well, you know, my work's not important uh, here to the, to the kingdom. And I was like, you know, what if you didn't do your job? Think about that. What, what if you didn't do your job? If the church is dirty, if the, if the toilets are not clean or overflowing or, or anything like that, who is going to stay to hear what, what's being done? That's, that's just one small aspect of it. But it's, it's vital. And, and I think there's a challenge in that it's, it is self-evident for people in professional ministry to see the connection, but not as much for people who, who aren't. Uh, in, a, um, in the show notes, if you could maybe reference, I ha- was able to do a video with one of my congregants from the Windrider Institute, kind of going on a pastoral visit, 
to their workplace without me going along. It was professionally done. But one of my congregants is a plumber. And oh, yeah. one of my stories that just, just touches my heart, and I know he gets it, is one time he went into a person's house whose toilet was plugged, completely overflowing. And that person had so much shame and guilt about that. Mm. And yet my congregant just dealt with him with dignity mm. and respect. Yeah. made the toilet work again, and to be able to honor that individual through his work. Mm. Or another friend is a physician's assistant. He said, I used to work on knees. Mm-hmm. Now I work on people mm. who have a hurt knee. Yeah. And what a change in their work when they begin to, yeah. to realize that they're serving people. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so wh- what are some things that you've done? You've already started to make reference to this, but what are some things that you've done that you've found helpful in, in helping people have a better understanding of, of how work matters? Maybe you want to say more, Aaron, about these videos or, or something, and we will put that in the show notes, whatever you've got. Yeah. So one thing I do on a regular basis is we do a, like the interview at a church called Serve Where you Stand, where I interview congregants, try to get them up. I do pastoral visits uh, at the workplace to do that asking people about their, their work. Um, one thing as a pastor I really seek to do is before I preach almost on anything, I like to go through the Theology of Work commentary series. Um, it's available online as well. And just refer, just go through there, help it a trigger. Well, okay, how does this apply to me as a pastor? Maybe as an engineer, I have that inherent. But how does this apply uh, to, the, to the person who's an entrepreneur? Mm. How does this apply to the student? It just helps me begin to think through application and stories. So uh, one is something I do, I try to get out into the workplace, and the second is making sure to go through a commentary that references that and draws that out, the implications. And I would add, as you're thinking about younger people in a church, um, children, youth, students, there's a real power in example and kind of to stimulate that moral imagination. I think kids, they, they gravitate towards people they see, towards stories they hear. And we tend to have limited exposure with who's holding the mic and who's sharing what stories. And by default, you don't even think about it, but if all they ever see over the course of their discipleship pathway is uh, a pastor or a youth pastor or maybe a missionary sharing Hmm. something, they never actually hear a congregate member who's working in a a various field share about how their faith is lived out in their work setting. Hmm. You, um, without even realizing it, are kind of setting them up to think, well, the only ones that are really doing any difference for the kingdom are the, are the pastors. So maybe if I, if I care about God, I better be a pastor or a missionary. And, and to kind of undo that a little bit by seeing your volunteers um, that serve in your ministries as really, really valuable assets. I, I remember this light bulb coming on for me. Tend, we tend to, as pastors, think who has the most Bible training and give them the mic. Mm. But rather, we should be asking who is most able to articulate a lively faith, regardless of the environment in which they tend to serve throughout mm. the week. And often, like I'll give an example with my daughter, she's got two teachers um, in her fifth and sixth grade, uh, or she's going into sixth. So in her fifth grade uh, Sunday school class, and one is a, a pilot referencing that, one's worked on a farm, one, they're referencing the workplaces that they have, have experience in, but how a, a deep relationship with God has kind of crafted this whole life discipleship focus, that's so much more influential mm. than just giving examples. Most pastors give examples of, of church things like sure. that remained in that building. And it, it's just, you're really missing a, a, an opportunity if you don't involve more of your volunteers in the diversity of the vocations that they represent. Mm. Yeah. 
So what suggestions would you have? If someone listening to this says they want to get more, uh, get more involved in this, um, what, what suggestions do you have for how somebody can get started in thinking about this and in shifting their, maybe their church culture if they're a pastor or, or if they're a layperson in the church to help their, their pastor come to a better understanding of this? What, what suggestions would you have? Well, I've just been able to not only serve, but be blessed by uh, Made to Flourish. So if you just go to uh, madetoflourish.org, uh, there's a get a box. You can get resources. You can get some books on this. Um, you can begin to engage and begin to think through this. Uh, they have a, a number of opportunities for pastors and leaders to, to begin to think and learn um, and engage in this area. Yeah, and I, I've been blessed to be a graduate here of Bethel Seminary. And um, for a number of years, we worked to kind of curate. There was an initiative called the Work With Purpose Initiative that kind of curated a number of resources, curriculum, booklets on these topics that I'd encourage you to check the, the website for those materials. In addition, a number of people in this conversation that I've had the privilege to work with that, that are, are geared towards younger, younger people coming up with some, some resources. So Made to Flourish um, put out a, a, a book called Fertile Ground, Faith and Work for Youth Pastors. That's a, a helpful resource. I was one of the contributors to that book, but just helping youth workers to think through the different hats they wear to accomplish whole life discipleship in their students. Mm. Um, discipleship with Monday in Mind, Connecting Faith and Work is another uh, real short book that Made to Flourish put out that helps kind of the the, the broader pastor think through the different pastoral pathways where this encounters, uh, or where, where this can encounter, such as pastoral visits, uh, the gathered singing uh, focus that we might have, um, uh, all the way to like mission efforts. How, how what's the giving look like at your church, and does it take into account some of these um, economic wisdom sorts of pieces? So those are a couple um, uh, straightforward ones. I'd, I'd add a, a book that's been helpful for me personally. God at Work, Your Christian Vocation in All of Life by Gene Edward Veith. I've had the privilege of taking my upperclassmen students over the years on at least three trips into the mountains where we'd read that book and then we'd kind of explore together. I'd ask this big question, what have you been given by God to be given to the world? It was kind of the driving question of this, this journey. We called it the journey. And in that book, he, he kind of lays it out in, in very helpful ways that are accessible. High schoolers and adults for that matter, aren't necessarily all readers, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, this book was more accessible on the more accessible side. And what does it mean, your Christian vocation as a citizen, as a, uh, a brother or sister in a family that God's put you in, within your workplace, et cetera, uh, has been a, a really helpful tool unpacking that broader question. Hmm. That's great. We'll definitely put links to all those in the, in the show notes. Is there anything else, other resources you want to reference or, or any last suggestions? I noticed that our time is almost gone. This has been a great conversation, but are there other thoughts or, or suggestions of resources or anything you want to share? Yeah, I would just say that two other, uh, Tom Nelson has um, a couple good books on this and Amy Sherman as well. Uh, Every Good Endeavor was Amy's earlier one. And then I think she has one coming out or just came out on Agents of Flourishing. Um, and then Porter's Gate is a great resource for worship to begin to think mm. through how uh, even our worship music affects uh, that division. Like, are we creating a divide or are we equipping people mm. even through our worship uh, to, uh, to do good work? Mm. That's fascinating. I'd like to check that out. Yeah, I've been, I've been really helped by um, a video series called For the Life of the World. 
Um, and it just asks the question, what is our salvation for? Answer, for the life of the world. That mm-hmm. it's not just a ticket to heaven, mm-hmm. per se, but it's, we, we should um, be a part of that John uh, life and life to the full. Like, what does it mean to the, actually bring life with our salvation and, and bless others? And it's creatively done. So again, for those that aren't as much of readers, but want to maybe see a visual representation of some of these themes, um, Letters to the Exiles, I think, is the website. But we could, again, uh, reference that in the show notes. That's been a really helpful and, and uh, creatively produced uh, video series as well. Great. Well, this has been fantastic. And I think we could go on for, for quite a while with this. But uh, uh, unfortunately, our time is almost up. But, but Nathan and Aaron, thank you so much for being a part of this, for the work that you're doing, and, and for helping us to, to think through this. Really appreciate your being here. You're welcome. Thank Glad you to be so here. much. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all for listening to Whole and Holy. If you have suggestions for future episodes or you have feedback for us, please feel free to email us at whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. Once again, that's whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. Thanks for listening and God bless you. Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. This podcast is a production of Bethel Seminary in collaboration with Bethel University's Office of Church Relations. Please share your feedback with us, including ideas you'd like to see in future episodes, by emailing us at wholeandholy at bethel.edu. Once again, that address is wholeandholy at bethel.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.